Hello, hello, hello. I'm Chris Lingle. We're here at Donkey Fish Studios in Austin, Texas, and you are now in the storm. Um, well, we got to start this episode off once again with a salute to the Ukrainian people. Um, they continue to inspire us all with their tenacity and their grit as they stand up to their Russian killers. Um, I am, however, officially uh, really starting to tilt my head a little bit uh, uh, when I look at this war. Russia should have mopped this thing up a, a while back. Um, are they that inept? Uh, I know these Ukrainians are fighting fiercely. They're fighting for their homeland. They're fighting for their country. They're fighting for their very homes. Um, I know they're fighting fiercely, but shouldn't Putin be, have been able to wrap this up by now? Um, uh, he doesn't care who he shells. So in, in the way he's prosecuting this war, shouldn't he have been able to wrap it up by now with the undeniable mil military force that he has and take uh, this country? Uh, someone really wants the U.S. involved in this. Our heartstrings are certainly being pulled on. They're being pulled on very tightly. Uh, everyone will all of a sudden tolerate exorbitant gas prices and inflation. Um, it's the least we can do, right? Well, that may be the case. Um, I just can't put my finger on it, but something's just not quite right about this. I believe this is all a prelude to usher in communism into the United States, but hey, what do I know? Uh, guys and gals, it's a big storm out there in the world right now. As in any storm, there's a lot of lighthouses um, that while we're not focusing on them right now, they are um, beacons of information. Some of these beacons are being overpowered by the light shining on the Ukraine right now. They are straining with all their might to show you what's going on in the storm. And you can still end up on the rocks if you don't pay attention to what these lighthouses are trying to tell you. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. with his book, the real Anthony Fauci, um, he is one of these lighthouses. Um, uh, while Putin commits atrocities in Ukraine, let us not forget about the atrocities committed by my favorite little evil, despicable man, Tony Fauci. Um, let's steer back into the Fauci storm and his 40-year regime of greed and his quest for unlimited power. Um, let's get back into RFK Jr.'s book, The Real Anthony Fauci. We talked about this in earlier episodes of The Storm, and I'm bringing it back because it is that important. It is that sickening. Um, it's that despicable. We need to walk into the light that Kennedy is shining on this personification of evil, Anthony Fauci. Um, we covered uh, just the intro to the book in the previous episodes, uh, so let's dive into chapter one today. Uh, please bear with me. It's a lot of data to get through, but we're going to get through it. It's shocking when you consider the ramifications to our democracy and our ideas about freedom uh, from tyranny. Uh, Kennedy, I believe, is somewhat of an anti-vaxxer. Uh, never considered myself an anti-vaxxer. Uh, but perhaps maybe Kennedy is a little bit like me. I got my measles. I got my mumps. I got my rubella. I got my smallpox vaccine. I get a tetanus shot if I step on a nail. Um, uh, that also covers me for diphtheria and typhoid, I believe, too. 
Um, uh, we all get these shots as kids. We all got them as kids. Um, some of us got them again if we joined the military. Uh, we've all had multiple tetanus shots. Anyone who stepped on a nail or cut their cell phone something rusty or nasty, uh, the doctor gave you a tetanus shot. It, it, it was all great. Uh, I am, however, not so sure that every child in the land needs to ascribe to the 65 other vaccines on the childhood schedule. Uh, but as I like to say, I digress. Um, let's get back to that despicable excuse for a human being, little Tony Fauci. Um, RFK Jr. knows what a criminal he is. I know what a criminal he is. And it's high time that you know what a criminal he is. What was Fauci's plan to deal with a pandemic? Well, mandatory masking, social distancing, lockdowns, quarantining the healthy. What about people who showed up to the hospital with mild symptoms? Well, they were sent home, um, told to go home and wait, uh, wait and, and, and see if you got better or if you got worse. If you got better, it was all good. If you got worse, you need to go to the hospital. Um, nothing we can do here but wait until someone's sick enough to come to the hospital. And uh, then you get put on a ventilator. Then you get given some rendesivir, Tony Fauci's darling drug, and um, uh, both of which will kill you. Um, there was no public health precedent for this plan, uh, poor support among the scientific community. No surprise, the U.S. recorded some of the highest body counts per capita across the globe. Um, the short version, Fauci lied. He lied. He killed a half a million people. Medications were available to treat this malady. Cheap, effective, patent-expired medications that could have prevented hundreds of thousands of hospitalizations and just as many deaths. But no, Fauci launched a campaign against these meds, like uh, the likes of which have never been seen before. Um, he had to. It was the only way to fast track his multi-billion dollar novel vaccines. Uh, the science says his mask did nothing to slow the spread. And actually, here's what Fauci himself had to say about masks in February of 2020. A mask is much more appropriate for someone who is infected, and you're trying to prevent them from infecting other people than, than it is in protecting you against infection. If you look at the masks you buy in the drugstore, the leakage around that doesn't really do much to protect you. Now, in the United States, there is absolutely no reason whatsoever to wear a mask. That's Tony Fauci in, what, March of 2020. Um, uh, in January of that year, he said this, even if there is some asymptomatic transmission in all the history of respiratory-borne viruses of any type, asymptomatic transmission has never been the driver of outbreaks. The driver of outbreaks is always a symptomatic person. Uh, even if there's a rare asymptomatic person that might transmit, an epidemic is not driven by asymptomatic carriers. That's a quote from Fauci. Peer-reviewed literature support this thought. The scientific community has been adamant in its refusal to support masking the healthy. Uh, a December 2020 study of 10 million souls in Wuhan confirmed that asymptomatic transmission of COVID was infinitesimally rare. Another 52 studies found that ordinary masking less, less than an N95 does not reduce viral infection rates 
even in the hospital setting, even in the operating room, as it has been for a few decades now. Another 25 studies attribute harm to the healthy who wear masks, including respiratory illness, immune system disorders, skin and dental problems, along with gastrointestinal distress and psychological injury. 14 of those studies were randomized, peer-reviewed, placebo studies. Retrospective regional analysis in this country does not show that masking had any effect on case rates, despite 93% compliance among Americans. 85% of people who contracted COVID reported wearing a mask as directed. Fauci observed in March of 2020 that the only thing the mask is good for is making us feel a little better. Maybe Fauci realized that the bang for the buck from the mask comes from the exponentially powerful psychological effects. After all, if he can get us to comply with this bullshit, what other bullshit can he get us to comply with? Masks amplified everyone's fear and succeeded in inoculating most of us against critical thinking. That mask reminded us constantly that each of our neighbors was a germ-infested threat to our very survival. They fostered division and fractionalization. Remember the crazy lady on the plane griping at the guy who didn't have his mask on while he was eating his peanuts? Well, let's talk about Fauci's grand plan to keep us all six feet apart. You know, social distancing. Well, in September of 21... The former FDA commissioner, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, finally admitted that the six-foot rule was arbitrary and not science-backed. Fauci just pulled the figure right out of the sky. Um, Lockdowns. These lockdowns were so unprecedented that the WHO's official pandemic protocols actually recommended against, um, uh, against lockdowns. It recommended against them. David Nabarro said this when reporting to the Director General of the World Health Organization in October of 2020. We, in the World Health Organization, do not advocate lockdowns as a primary means of controlling the virus. We may well have a doubling of world poverty by next year. Stop using lockdowns as your primary control method. Lockdowns have just one consequence, and that is making the poor an awful lot poorer. And the numbers demonstrate this to us all. Areas that did not lock down fared just as well as areas that did. There's one thing that I found stupefying in all of this, lockdowns aside, was the fact that herd immunity was tossed aside as some kind of myth. It was as if we couldn't achieve herd immunity with this disease without vaccinating the public, the entire public, no matter who they were, no matter whether they'd had the disease before and had natural immunity or not. Um, We'd achieved herd immunity countless times before. Um, This malady was so different than anything else on the planet that we'd ever encountered so different that in 2020, with more pills on the shelf, more weapons in the arsenal than anyone could ever imagine, we would not be able to achieve herd immunity without vaccinating everyone on the planet with an untried, untested vaccine. Fast track it to market. 
um, get that vaccine into every person, natural immunity or not. I always looked at it as hogwash because that's exactly what it is. Um, Tony Fauci told the Times he had increased his estimate of the vaccine coverage necessary to ensure herd immunity from 70% of population vaccinated in March of, of, uh, uh, in March to 80 to 90% in September. This wasn't based on some scientific study. It wasn't based on a double-blinded, randomized uh, placebo trial, clinical trial. It was based on polling. It was based on polling that said the general population warmed up to his vaccine a little bit, so he felt like he could vaccinate more of us. It had nothing to do with science. Um, He maintained his position that natural immunity did not contribute to protecting the population. Um, He continually supported vaccinating people who were previously infected, despite overwhelming scientific evidence that post-COVID infection inoculations were not only useless, but also quite dangerous. When Fauci conceded in September of 2021 that he could cite no scientific evidence for this policy of vaccinating previously infected individuals, he dreamily recounted his childhood days of getting his measles and mumps vaccination in grade school. Well, there's only one problem with that. The measles and mumps vaccinations were available in 1963 and 1967, respectively, and Tony Fauci attended grade school in the 1940s. Fauci has sold us all down the river for his novel vaccines. He's been doing it since the 80s when he controlled all the money uh, during AIDS research. Um, This is his life. This is his agenda. He's manipulated facts and data for decades in furtherance of his vaccine agenda. Fauci used crazy modeling at the outset of the pandemic provided by the Imperial College of London that overestimated U.S. deaths by 525%, as well as deaths around the globe. Of course, uh, uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation was funding the author of those models uh, in in the form of $150 million worth of grants uh, to the univer- to the college, um, Fauci agreed with the CDC when they instituted changes for completing death certificates. Uh, you know the whole they died with COVID, not from COVID thing. Yeah, Fauci said nothing. The CDC would later admit that only six percent of all deaths from COVID were healthy individuals. The remaining ninety four percent had four or more lethal, fatal comorbidities. Um, August 2021, the CDC finally admits what most of us already knew. PCR tests are unreliable. PCR tests are incapable of distinguishing COVID from other viral illnesses, other viral respiratory illnesses. You know, like the flu. What do you think happened to it? Mm. Fauci knew before July of 2020 when he stated that a positive test result is just dead nucleotides, period. Did he do anything to modify testing to assure more accurate results? Nah. Why would he? He's not doing anything about it if you test positive anyway. Go home and see if you get sick. If you get sick, come to the hospital. If you don't, fantastic. Stellar results for I mean, stellar policy for America's doctor, the guy in charge of public health in America. That is just stellar. Um, he wants us all vaccinated. 
He don't care if he tests positive. He didn't complain about the CDC's decision to skip autopsies on patients whose death were attributable to vaccines. Why would he? He doesn't want any problems with his untested vaccines, his untested uh, uh, um, remdesivir. Doesn't care. Uh, Medicare paid hospitals $39,000 for a COVID patient on a ventilator while they only paid them $13,000 for a garden variety respiratory ailment on a ventilator. Well, guess what? Combine that with faulty PCR tests and, well, you, I, I can't imagine why the numbers were so inflated and distorted. Once again, the guy in charge of our public health, America's doctor, he laughed all the way to the bank. Tony Fauci used draconian measures to lock us all down and mask every last one of us. All of this to stoke fear and send everyone scurrying for his novel vaccines. The emergence of these vaccines would represent one of the largest transfers in wealth from taxpayers to the pharmaceutical industry and those power brokers in big tech ever in history. Fauci ignored. He even destroyed effective off-patent treatments for COVID, prolonging the pandemic intentionally so that he could get emergency use authorization for his vaccines and his antiviral remdesivir. No prophylaxis was ever discussed by Fauci. Vitamin D, zinc, none of it ever did he advise the American public to do any of that. Nearly every cold remedy on the shelf has zinc in it. Why? Because it works. It's proven to reduce viral replication. Yet Fauci refused to tell Americans to take zinc and vitamin D as a prophylaxis for COVID. After all, there was no prophylaxis, right? Nothing we could do. We all had to wait on this man to save us with his remdesivir and his vaccines. Did Fauci tell Americans that getting enough rest and sunlight was essential? Nearly 60% of COVID hospital admissions were vitamin D deficient upon admission. 60%. Almost 80% of COVID admissions were considered obese. Did we see Lord Fauci on television telling Americans to eat better and get their weight in check to exercise? No, we did not. He locked everyone away and had fast food, cigarettes, and liquor delivered to all of us. Well, I know he didn't have it delivered, but he certainly made it easy for delivery of everything into our household with the pandemic. Fauci fostered the environment of cutting off any treatment regimens or prophylaxis and lied to us all. In April of 2021, the Canadian Ontario College of Physicians and Surgeons threatened to delicense any doctor who prescribed non-vaccine health strategies, including vitamin D. Well, I guess the big pharma, big tech, captive regulator machine was in full force and operating at about 110% capacity. In October of 21, a Washington Post reporter, Ashley Fetters Malloy, in a podcast about misinformation, said this, There's a pervasive idea that your body and your immune system can be healthy enough to ward off COVID-19, which, of course, we know is a novel coronavirus. No one's body can. No one's body is healthy enough to recognize and just totally ward this off without a vaccine. Have you ever heard of such nonsense?
if that ain't misinformation, uh, Miss Ashley Fetters Malloy, I don't know what is. Well, I guess we have all heard quite a bit of nonsense over the last couple of years. Um, how does this woman think that millions of people stayed alive during 2020? Um, what exactly does she think kept hundreds of millions of people from even contracting COVID or even knowing that they contracted it? Um, what a moron. Uh, all global health authorities have recognized that healthy people with healthy immune systems bear a very minimal risk to COVID-19. America's doctor, Tony Fauci, however, enforced and encouraged isolation, not just for the sick or the at-risk, but for all of us. Lock it down. He mandated lockdowns. He shuttered businesses while he separated us all from each other. You can't visit your grandparents. You can't go to church. But you can go to Walmart if you wear a mask. Everything Fauci did increased fear, maximized stress, and trauma for us all. Well, what do you know? Stress, fear, and trauma all weaken the immune system. Let's talk about what's been done before. What we should have done. What we could have done. Very, very easily. Quarantine and treat the sick. Novel concept? Nope. Been around a long time. Protect the most vulnerable. Shelter those immunosuppressed patients. Shelter the elderly. Lock them away. Have someone healthy. Bring them their food, their supplies, what they need. That, that's how you do that. Protect the most vulnerable. Aggressively develop repurposed medications for use in early treatment protocols to reduce hospitalizations and death with COVID-19. Once again, not a novel concept, nothing new, centuries, at least two of them, of, of known, practiced, successful methodology. This is what Harvey Risch, one of the world's leading global authorities on, on clinical treatment protocols and a Yale epidemiologist believes. Well, why wouldn't he? As I said, it's accepted practice, proven methodology for well over a century. Uh, Rich says, unless you're on an island and you can shut out the rest of the world, you can stop a vi- you can't stop a virus, but you can make it less less deadly. Um, our objective, according to Dr. Rich, should have been to devise treatments to reduce hospitalization and death. Had we done this, rather than send people home with nothing but hope, COVID would have been less lethal than a seasonal flu. Hundreds of thousands of lives were needlessly lost. Dr. Peter McCullough agrees. Uh, We could have dramatically reduced COVID fatalities and hospitalizations using early treatment protocols and repurposed drugs, including ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and many others. Hundreds of peer-reviewed studies now show that early treatment protocols could have averted 80% of deaths. Using repurposed drugs, we could have ended this pandemic in May of 2020 and saved half a million American lives. But for Dr. Fauci's hard-headed tunnel vision on new vaccines and remdesivir. Uh, Fauci's plan kept medical treatment on hold globally for over a year. 
Instead of this virus being treated, it devastated countries, it devastated counties, it devastated economies, and it devastated households. Fauci had us all sitting around to see if we were going to get sick enough to go to the hospital or, by the grace of God, get better. It was pathetic. It was criminal. It caused a half a million deaths in this country that could have been avoided, but for Fauci's pig-headedness, and he is the public America's doctor. You don't believe me? Well, let's get into hydroxychloroquine and what Fauci along with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, did to make hydroxychloroquine the John Dillinger of drugs, public enemy number one. Let's talk about it. Fauci led an effort across the globe to deliberately deny access to life-saving drugs that could have saved half a million Americans. Uh, Since before the pandemic began, hydroxychloroquine and other patent-expired medications posed an existential, existential threat to Tony Fauci and Bill Gates' $48 billion vaccine project. They didn't do much to bolster sales for remdesivir either. Gates has a large stake in that drug as well. It's amazing uh, what the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, along with Fauci and these power players in big tech and big pharma, have done um, uh, to deny us this drug so that they could sell vaccines. It's, it's pathetic. The last time I talked about this, I kept asking myself and all of you, why would you do this? Why would you do that? Um, Well, why would you do it? It's almost always about the money, and this is no exception to that rule. Fauci is in this for the money. So are his buddies. Under federal law, new vaccines and medications cannot qualify for emergency use authorization if any existing FDA-approved drug proves effective against the same malady. So in a nutshell, if hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin prove to be effective against COVID-19, no fast-tracking of a multi-billion dollar vaccine to market. No emergency use authorization for remdesivir. Years-long delays in safety and efficacy testing, much longer runways to market, less profit, no COVID gold rush. Fauci has invested $6 billion in taxpayer money into Moderna's vaccine alone. His agency, believe it or not, co-owns the patent, and he stands to make millions in royalties from a vaccine he steered taxpayer money towards to develop. That's a pretty sweet gig. Nice work if you can get it. At least four of Fauci's top deputies stand to make over 150000 each a year on top of their lucrative government salaries from Moderna royalties alone. Tony Fauci's the highest paid government employee in the land. Certainly it makes sense to me, I'm sure it does to you too, that he and his ilk should own patents to drugs discovered with taxpayer money he steered toward the company to discover it. Hmm. My goodness. Hydroxychloroquine. This horribly unsafe pariah. Pariah upon the public. Uh, The WHO for decades has listed hydroxychloroquine 
as an essential medication, proven effective against a long list of ailments throughout the world. Generations have used the drug billions of times without restriction. Its safety and efficacy has been long established over six and a half decades. Most African countries authorize hydroxychloroquine as an over-the-counter medication. The Africans call hydroxychloroquine Sunday, Sunday, because they take it religiously once a week as a prophylaxis against malaria. Of course, Africa enjoyed some of the lowest infection rates of COVID across the globe. Many Africans take the drug for a lifetime. They've been doing so for decades. In France, Canada, Mexico, Costa Rica, Panama, a host of other countries, hydroxychloroquine was available over the counter prior to the pandemic. The FDA has allowed off-label use of hydroxychloroquine for over 65 years. Physicians had zero restrictions. They could prescribe this drug for whatever they wanted to. The CDC info sheet says it's safe for pregnant women, nursing women, infants, children, the elderly, immunocompromised, healthy patients, all ages, any and all. Fauci and Bill Gates want the drug gone. Half a million people could have been saved with this drug. But it stood in the way of emergency use authorization for vaccines and remdesivir. If that ain't criminal, I don't know what is. <clears throat> the entire world is using hydroxy with great success. 200 peer-reviewed studies by government and independent researchers deem hydroxychloroquine safe and effective against coronavirus, especially if it's used early, especially if it's used in conjunction with zinc and a Z-pack. Maybe a little vitamin D thrown in there for good measure. It provides a 64% benefit. Uh, we've known this since 2004. Back then, hydroxychloroquine was considered the holy grail of repurposed medicines to treat, you guessed it, SARS, a coronavirus. They could treat it safely. And guess what? They could treat it with the same dosing regimens that they treated malaria with. The same dosing regimens they used hydroxychloroquine to treat malaria with. That means no guesswork, no question, nothing dangerous here. You can use it. They could treat it safely with the same dosing. Uh, it was tested, tried, time-tested methodology. Uh, the studies concluded that hydroxychloroquine was effective both before exposure to the virus and after, suggesting prophylactic, vaccine-like properties, and treatment, remdesivir-like properties. Uh, and that's for SARS. Guess what? In 2014, they discovered not only was it success successful in treating SARS, it was also effective in, in, in preventing and treating MERS. MERS was another coronavirus that had cropped up, probably from some research trying to drag it from bats into humans. Uh, but I digress. Why would you not think this would not work on another coronavirus? Why would you block its use? Early in the pandemic, physicians around the globe were treating high-risk patients as outpatients within the first five to seven days 
of onset of symptoms. Uh, they either used it alone or with a Z-Pack and zinc. Either way worked well. Either way prevented death, dramatically lowered uh, lowered death rates and hospitalization rates. Late in April 2020, American doctors were treating patients and family members with hydroxychloroquine, and some of the doctors were themselves taking it as a prophylactic. It worked. Worked like a champ. Fauci's argument? Well... We just don't know the mechanism. Peter McCullough calls hydroxychloroquine the gun and zinc the bullet to shoot COVID-19 with. Uh, He says the Z-Pak potentiates the antiviral effect as well. Hydroxychloroquine costs about $10 a course. Pharmaceutical companies hate low cost. They despise it. They absolutely abhor it. Um, a patent expired drug that could beat their vaccine for 10 bucks and can also treat a COVID exposure rather than Fauci's $3,000 a dose remdesivir? Well, they couldn't have that, can they? The big pharma crusade against hydroxychloroquine began in earnest back in January of 2020 after the first whisper of COVID-19 and well before Trump said anything about it in March of 2020. Um, France pulled the -the over-the-counter designation, followed a couple weeks later by Canada. Groups of buyers were reported in Zambia buying up all the hydroxychloroquine and burning it. Hmm. South Africa destroyed two tons over it, two tons of it, over some violation in uh, import regulations. Our own government destroyed a half a ton of it over the same excuse. Uh, March 13th, James Tadero, Michigan MD, tweeted his review of hydroxychloroquine as an effective COVID treatment, including a link to a public Google doc. Google quietly scrubbed the memo. That was six days before Trump mentioned hydroxychloroquine, hydroxychloroquine for the first time. Um, of, course, of course, Google's parent company, Alphabet, uh, they own several vaccine uh, companies, including Verily, as well as Vasitech. Vasitech is working on vaccines for the flu, prostate cancer, and, of course, COVID. Google has a $715 million partnership with GlaxoSmithKline. They have partnerships with several other large vaccine manufacturers as well. They're vested across the board with vaccine manufacturers. Every other social platform began scrubbing anything touting hydroxychloroquine efficacy shortly after Google did. March of 2020, when asked whether hydroxychloroquine might be used as a prophylaxis for COVID, Fauci shouted back to the person who asked the question, uh, uh, the answer is no. And the evidence that you're talking about is anecdotal Evidence. At HHS request, Novartis, Bayer, Sanofi, several others donated their entire inventory of hydroxychloroquine. 63 million doses, 2 million doses of chloroquine to the strategic stockpile managed by BARDA. BARDA's director, Dr. Rick Bright, what a guy he is, he later claimed that the chloroquine drugs were deadly and that he needed to protect the American public from them. Thank you, Rick. I'm sure the American public who were laying, dying, appreciate that. 
Uh, the FDA ginned up a bunch of clinical trials that gave unreasonably high doses too late in the disease process when patients were already hospitalized and on ventilators. And they used these trials to revoke hydroxychloroquine's emergency use authorization. That huge stockpile at BARDA was now off limits to you, me, everyone else. Of course, the companies that donated the stockpile, they were rewarded with generous tax breaks. 65 years of unlimited usage, and suddenly, in June of 2020, it's now dangerous and can only be administered in the hospital setting when it's too damn late to help you for the Rona. The drug could still be used safely for lupus, arthritis, Lyme disease, just not for COVID. Uh, the clinical trials that the FDA utilized in its Gates-funded war on hydroxychloroquine were abhorrent. They gave doses they knew could be fatal based on some BMGF guidelines for tissue penetration. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation tried to figure out what, what, what tissue uh, uh, um, uh, what tissue penetration you achieved in, say, a liver versus a lung. And they came up with, well, if you needed to, to saturate a lung with this drug, I guess you needed to quadruple the dose. I'll tell you what it proved in just a second. Tissue penetration. Instead of the standard dose for 400 milligrams a day, these trials used an unprecedented 2,400 milligrams on the first day and 800 milligrams for every day thereafter. I think they went on for a week or 10 days. The Brazilians were slightly more aggressive. Um, 1,200 milligrams a day, three times the recommended dose for 10 days. Well, I'll tell you what the study proved. It proved elderly, compromised people can die from an overdose. 39% in the Brazilian study alone died. Now, they studied 3,500 patients, not Brazil, but the other studies altogether. 3,500 patients, 400 hospitals in 35 countries. Researchers did not retain, did not retain consent forms. They said some of them were done retrospectively, yet they don't retain them. So were they done at all? This is unprecedented in any kind of medical research. Consent forms are 20 pages long for a, any kind of clinical trial. You got to wonder, well, did these researchers notify the families of the high doses they were administering to their loved ones, their loved ones who were locked down in COVID wards where their family members had no access whatsoever. None of the Gates-funded studies used zinc. None of them used a Z-Pack. None of them were done in the outpatient setting. All administered the drug after patients were hospitalized, once again, when it was too late. Critics accused the Gates Foundation grantees of purposefully designing these studies at best to fail and at worst to murder. Brazilian prosecutors, well, they're accusing the authors of that study of homicide by purposefully per poisoning the elderly subjects in their studies with high doses of chloroquine. Uh, this campaign was complete with falsified studies from ghost companies. I mean, this is another story, but it's amazing. 
Nobody knows who caused the Lancet or the New England Journal of Medicine, two of the, of the world's premier medical journals, to publish two fake studies from a now non-existent company. But the Lancet and the New England Journal of Medicine, well, they did just that. May of 2020, both of these publications published two studies from Surgisphere, Surgisphere Corporation. Hmm. The study said hydroxychloroquine is dangerous and ineffective. The Lancet article said the data increased cardiac mortality in COVID-19 patients. Based on this study, the FDA revoked the emergency use authorization for hydroxychloroquine on June 15th, 2020. And both of these studies were completely bogus. 200 independent scientists and doctors quickly exposed the Lancet and the New England Journal of Medicine studies as shockingly clumsy con jobs. This attention quickly revealed that Surgisphere database was non-existent. And shortly thereafter, Surgisphere could not be found anywhere on the Internet. Shocker there. Both journals withdrew the studies in shame. The Lancet and the New England Journal of Medicine, probably the two premier journals of medicine, were convinced to publish these studies by someone. Someone intent on driving hydroxychloroquine in the ground. Someone powerful. Someone who wanted the seal of approval from the two premier journals of medicine in the land. Even after the retraction, the FDA didn't reverse its stand on hydroxychloroquine, a drug that has 65 years of unfettered usage under its belt with no restrictions on off-label use. By the way, you want to know how many prescriptions you, that, that, that are written in this country are off, for off-label use of that drug? About 21%. So off-label use is no big deal. And hydroxychloroquine's been off-label for 65 years. And all of a sudden, it's taboo. It doesn't make sense. It, why would you do that? Um, if you get mild symptoms here, well, you're not going to get hydroxychloroquine. Lord Fauci dictates determined uh, that you were simply out of luck. Fauci decided you couldn't get hydroxychloroquine outside of a clinical trial, and you certainly weren't going to get it early in your onset of symptoms when he knew you needed it. July 2nd, after the retractions, Henry Ford in Detroit published a study showing that hydroxychloroquine significantly cut death rates even in mid to late onset of symptoms and without any cardiac side effects. July 30th, Fauci testifies before Congress that the Henry Ford Health System study was flawed. State licensing boards threatened to sanction doctors that use the drug. Some pharmacies refused to fill prescriptions. The FDA had already declared the stockpile at BARDA off-limits to all of us. All of this. All of this. Uh, by direction from our protectors. In the interest of public health. Uh, this medication would rot in warehouses. It would rot in warehouses while a half a million Americans would needlessly die. It would rot in warehouses while we were locked down. It would rot in warehouses while our economy was trashed and the country 
entered the tailspin we're all enjoying right now. It would rot in warehouses until Tony Fauci and his pals like Bill and Melinda Gates get enough of us sick and enough of us to die to get their emergency use authorization to get their darling drugs and vaccines to market. Back when Fauci was playing games with AIDS money in the 80s, he despised the Food and Drug Administration uh, uh, for demanding randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled studies. Now he's blocking a very effective treatment, a very cheap, effective, patent-expired treatment that would knock his novel vaccines out of the box, along with remdesivir. Um, Fauci would not allow hydroxychloroquine for COVID-19 until its efficacy was proven in randomized, double-blinded placebo studies. Now, Fauci knows no one's going to sponsor a randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled study on a patent-expired drug that costs $10 for a course of treatment. Um, Fauci himself, would he commission a study? With his unlimited resources at his disposal, hmm, he spent $48 billion of taxpayer money on the vaccines that he likes. Did he divert any of these resources to a double-blinded, controlled, placebo uh, study uh, on hydroxychloroquine? Nope. Nope. $48 billion on his no-liability vaccines. And nothing on $10 a dose, $10 a course, hydroxychloroquine. That's funny. Uh, when Fauci took, uh, took over the NIAID decades ago, uh, not once has he insisted on randomized studies to confirm safety or efficacy of the combined 69 vaccine doses currently on the childhood schedule. Every one of those 69 vaccines is so safe that their manufacturers have asked for and received immunity from any and all liability. Fauci always wants to double-blinded, randomized placebo trials for medicines that compete with his patents. If one of his patents is having a hard time in a study, Fauci will adjust the endpoints of the study right in mid-study. Now, this is never done. I've been in healthcare 30 years. You don't mess around with studies like this. You don't change parameters in the midpoint. Fauci's done it over and over again in, in the middle of studies. Doesn't like what's happening. He just changes the endpoints of the study, and then he starts giving his drug to all of them. Well, you want to know what that does? It shields that drug. It, 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 it prevents you from finding out whether that drug caused any problems or not. Imagine that. Um, he'll cite compassionate use protocols for the use of his drugs anyway. Uh, Fauci says he doesn't have a horse in the game. I don't have a horse in this game one way or another. I just go with the data. Yeah, Tony, you always have a horse in the game. You got a whole stable of horses in the game, and all your buddies got stables too. Remdesivir and Moderna vaccines come to mind right now. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Fauci didn't wait for randomized, double-blinded, placebo studies for the Moderna vaccine to be complete before he pushed it on millions of Americans. Fauci's suggestion that we withhold treatments with established safety profiles from patients deteriorating from a deadly disease while we wait for the completion of randomized clinical trials 
Well, that's unethical to say the least. Not to mention the fact that if you enroll 100 sick patients, 100 patients infected with COVID-19, enroll them in a study, a double-blinded, randomized, placebo-controlled study, 50 of them are going to get a placebo. You can't do that. It's, it's criminal. It's almost as criminal as denying or forbidding the treatment that was available for COVID-19. Uh, the 21st Century Cures Act passed by Congress in 2016 punctuates Dr. Fauci's hypocrisy. It specifically directs the FDA to accept real-world evidence from practitioners in lieu of clinical trials. The act recognizes that doctors and scientists can get useful information when treating patients in real time, observing results in real time outside of a formal trial setting. Hmm. But for Fauci, Big Pharma, Big Tech, getting rid of hydroxychloroquine was paramount. They weren't going to let anybody stop them. They had to get rid of it. It would not stand because they would not get emergency use authorization for their vaccines or Fauci's darling remdesivir. Dr. Robert Malone says Dr. Fauci's shocking inconsistency and ethical breaches are congruent with his long history of promoting Big Pharma's more profitable patented products and using his power and influence to advance its agenda without regard to public health. Dr. Fauci's leadership role in this deadly scandal is consistent with his long history of discrediting therapies that compete with vaccines and other patented pharmaceutical products. Thanks to Dr. Fauci's strategic campaign, most Americans are still unable to obtain hydroxychloroquine for early treatment of COVID-19, and even fewer Americans are able to access it as a preventative medicine, and fewer still are aware of its benefits. Half a million deaths. Half a million deaths while we waited on Fauci's vaccine and his wonder drug remdesivir. Half a million deaths while hydroxychloroquine rotted in warehouses. Let me tell you something. These mRNA and DNA platforms, the vaccines Fauci and his buddies are pushing rely upon, they have no known safety profile. None whatsoever. They are so risky, insurance carriers have refused to underwrite their use. Manufacturers refuse to produce them without blanket immunity from liability. Bill Gates himself, principal investor in many COVID vaccines, stipulated that their risk is so great that he would not provide them to people unless every government on the planet shielded him from liability. All that to discredit hydroxychloroquine. They did the same thing to ivermectin. They're hiding a lot of bad things about their vaccines. They're hiding a lot of bad things about remdesivir. Unfortunately, in the interest of time, um, I have to leave it here with the real Anthony Fauci by Dr. Robert F. I'm sorry, by <laughs> the real Anthony Fauci by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Um, uh, don't worry, though. The light from Kennedy's lighthouse still shines, and we'll navigate those waters soon.
I consider it all information you need to have. You need to know it. We're going to discuss the links these guys went to in order to hide the dangers of their new vaccines and their lack of effectiveness. So please be sure to follow The Storm with Chris Lingle on Rumble and Spotify. (laughs) Uh, This is the stuff Fauci, Big Pharma, Big Tech, the mainstream media, and the globalists. It's the stuff they want want you to forget, seriously. Um, As we close the show... Of course, I got to remind everybody, uh, the people of Ukraine continue to struggle. Uh, Kiev will fall within the next day or two. I was watching the news right before I jumped in the car to come down here. It's terrible. Uh, Zelensky, he seems to have this uncanny ability to stay alive with the entire might of the Russian military bearing down upon him in search of him and his family, his Rada, his Congress. They seem to be, be able to hide from him. What on earth are we going to do? Putin continues his threats. He views our sanctions as an act of war in and of themselves. He said as much. Uh, Supplying and resupplying Ukrainian troops, especially with defensive weapons. uh, Won't that be considered an act of war by Putin? Uh, When Putin decides the Stinger and Javelin missiles provided by us in NATO uh, represent an act of war, what do we do then? Uh, What happens when he decides our supply in Ukraine with these defensive weapons rendering his Air Force useless is an act of war? Uh, When in the hell are we going to decide what Putin's actions are? are? When are we going to decide those are an act of war? Um, When um, three million refugees as of today, the war enters week number four. Uh, It's horrendous. What's the end game for Putin here? I'm telling you, I'm scratching my head about this thing. Um. As we sit here and watch Kiev being shelled from three sides, 97 children have been slaughtered so far in the war. Uh, Putin shows no intent of stopping, yet he seems unable to get the job quite done. Uh, How inept are the Russians? How much are we going to tolerate under the threat of this madman pushing a button to launch a nuclear weapon? If he's successful in Ukraine, you know China's going to move into Taiwan. They're just waiting to see what happens to Putin. If we don't do anything to him, they're going to look at that as a blueprint for exactly what would happen to them if they invade Taiwan. And they'll do so. They'll know as long as they don't go nuclear and and they'll threaten to go nuclear if we mess with them. They already have. As long as you don't go nuclear, you can do whatever you want. You can take whatever you want. You can kill as many people as you want to further your objective. Just please, God, don't launch a nuclear weapon. He has 7,200 of them. We have probably 10,000. Mutually assured destruction. He has to think we'll kill him too. I don't think he thinks that. We don't negotiate with terrorists for exactly these reasons. You give Putin a free pass here, he won't stop. He won't stop until you maybe get somewhere that matters to you. Uh, He won't stop until you decide to retaliate. He's not going to do anything. He'll keep right on rolling, right through Poland, right through the Baltic states, and he'll move on from there if you don't stop him. Now, I don't know what's going to happen if you try to stop him, but eventually he's going to get somewhere you care about. Then what are you going to do? You've already told him you won't do shit. 
So what are you going to do? He has more than 7,000 nuclear warheads in reserve. We don't negotiate with terrorists. Don't give him a free pass. Uh, he don't want an off-ramp. Putin likes the Autobot. Might be too late then anyway. He'll certainly have amassed more power in his relationship with China. will have only grown closer. Uh, then again, maybe we should stop altogether. Globalists are trying to get us in this war. They want to usher in communism in this country, in the United States. And I, for one, can't think of a better way to do it. Fauci has the solution for the bug. Soros has the solution for the planet. Russia is not this inept. I refuse to beat the drum of war when this stinks to high heaven. I have the utmost respect for the people of Ukraine. Their intestinal fortitude is unsurpassed. But Russia could have ended this within the four weeks they've been fighting. Something is amiss here. We do not need to play in the hands of the globalists. And y'all, please stop telling everyone you're okay with high gas prices in some warped sense of solidarity with the people of Ukraine. Gas prices have been rising since Biden's first day in office because of his policies and his war on fossil fuels. Support the people of Ukraine in every way to be sure. But don't blame that war on your high prices. That ain't what did it. That's bullshit. You're smarter than that. Start acting like it. That's going to do it for this episode of The Storm. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast because I certainly enjoy the process of getting it into your cars, your kitchens, on your morning jog, or with your evening stogie, or your 5 o'clock bourbon. Uh, Be sure to follow the channel on Rumble and follow the page on Facebook. Uh, Check us out. Follow us on Spotify, too. Give us a like. Give us a rumble. Drop us a comment or three. And most importantly, share the storm with your friends. Steer them into the storm. Um, Until I see you next time, please remember, pray for the people of Ukraine. May God bless and keep those brave warriors. Stay vigilant, folks. And I'll see you next time in the storm.